the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Great to be with you on this fine, warm summer Monday in Southern California. I'm in the process of of moving. I'm going up and down the state, and I've come to the conclusion that something that some European countries get right is you just leave your stuff. You move, and the next person who moves into your house, they get that stuff, and you get the stuff in the next people's house, and forget all moving all of this stuff. I'm for leaving all of it behind frankly, but it uh, doesn't work that way anyway. We'll talk about that maybe later. You can give me some some tips about that on another day. But today we need to talk about Supreme Court public prayer at football games. And um, I got a question for you. Where do you draw the line? As Christians, where do you draw the line? Maybe where do we draw the line in society for public prayer, prayer in the school? Who gets to do it? And we'll talk about this case. If you're not aware, the Supreme Court today ruled in favor of Joseph Kennedy, a former football coach in Bremerton, Washington, uh, ruled for him that he had a constitutional right to pray on the field after his team's game. So he was basically fired. There's some dispute in the facts about why he was fired, actually. But ultimately, he was fired because he was having prayer time that he called personal prayer time after the games, football games where he was the coach. But what was happening is lots of players and uh, other people were joining him for that prayer time. Anyway, he was fired for that. Seven years later, the Supreme Court said, no, he should not have been fired for that. And we'll talk about that. I'm curious to what you think. How far is too far for public prayers from teachers or from coaches? And I think there's a lot more prayer going on for coaches. You ever play sports in high school? A lot of, lot of locker room prayers. That's a, that's a part of it. Is that, should that be a part of it? Is it still a part of it? How would you feel if you're thinking about this and you're glad about this, what if the person had a different faith if they weren't Christian? What if it was a Muslim having his prayer time and uh, facing Mecca and doing everything that they do? What if it was another faith? Would you still be in favor of that? You can call in and join our conversation. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA. Dot com. Once again, the number is 888-528-2557. Easy way to remember it, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-LA-TALKS. All right, so today the Supreme Court continues to uh, hand down its uh, rulings like it does at the end of every uh, Supreme Court uh, session, session, and uh, that happens in June. So typically the reason we're getting so many decisions right now is this happens every June. There's not often as so many large cases or cases that might be controversial, uh, but a lot of them today. So this case started seven years ago, and the coach Joseph Kennedy, former high school football coach in Bremerton, Washington, now lives in Florida, the court said that he had a constitutional right to pray on the field after his team's uh, games. Uh, he was asked on CBS News, what are your plans now for prayer when you go back to coaching? This was his response, clip, play clip one. Wow. <laughs> I wish I had a good answer for that. I know that uh, I'm, I'm going to thank God after every football game. Um, 
I don't know, I'm going to have a new commitment with God because he's given me a second chance. And, you know, I, I'll never give up my rights and I'll never give up thanking God. But uh, where I do it, the great thing is the court says it doesn't matter where I do it. And that's 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 America for you. That was uh, Coach Kennedy's response to the uh, Supreme Court's decision. Now, it's a long time, right? He's already lost his job. Not only has he lost his job, but he's left the state. He was asked if um, people should, uh, you know, if he was going to take his job back. At first, it seemed like they already given him his job back. The Supreme Court said he should be able to get it back, basically. But seven years later, and you've moved across the country, and somebody else is in that job, right? It's complicated. Do you fire the guy who's the coach now, who maybe has been there for five or six years, do you move back across the country from Florida where it's warm and sunny and uh, move to uh, the back to the darkness of Washington State? I'm just saying that because I have a lot of family listening in Washington State and, uh, you know, uh, it never rains when I go there, by the way. And I, I sometimes think that people in Washington State, Seattle area, just don't like people from California. So they make up this whole it rains all the time thing because every time I'm there, it's beautiful. It's unbelievable. Sunny, kind of warm, kind of nice. And uh, I don't know, every time, and I've been there a lot, and I've hardly seen any rain, so I'm skeptical. I'm sure that there's plenty of rain. 888-528-2557 is the number. Tell us uh, what you think if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Sal from Montebello, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, brother. Um, Hi, Sal. You you were talking about, hello, uh, you were talking about, uh, you know, prayer, and let's say, you know, a football field or, or in the locker room. And, um, of course, I'm, I'm for it. You know, I'm, I'm Christian, and, you know, I, I, I think that's very important. You know, your faith, everywhere you go, not just for a game, you know, but everywhere you go, everywhere you're at, I'm, I'm always praying, you know, whether it's, whether it's in my head or, or in, my, in my bedroom, you know, when I'm alone. But something, uh, something you mentioned that if you're from another faith, let's say I'm a Muslim coach and I start praying, you know, the way Muslims uh, pray, as a as a player, what I would do is while he's praying, you know, to Allah or, you know, however they pray, mm-hmm. I, I would be praying myself to Jesus. And I, when... When they're all done praying, I would I would say in Jesus' name, because at the end of the day, I know in my heart, you know, what's real. I know I know Jesus, yeah. God, you know I know what's real in my heart. So I will pray my 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 version, you know, to the one and only God. So that's that's what you would do if, uh, say, the coach was of another faith. What do you think is uh, too far to go, even for a Christian coach? Like that's one of the questions here. You know, can a teacher in a school, uh, is, is that person, the, the tension, right, is is that person who's praying, are they pushing their beliefs on people, or are they just expressing themselves according to their own beliefs? Where do you think it's, is there a line, you know, in the public sphere, you know, if you went somewhere, if you were the coach, what's too far for your for your prayers? Is there too far for your public prayers where you're inviting people to join you? I mean, there, there, there's a line, of course. I mean, personally, you know, I'm, I'm Christian, so I gotta, I gotta yeah. share the gospel with, with people because, you know, I don't want anybody to go to hell 
I'm not, you know, just thinking about my salvation. I'm thinking about everybody else's, and, and that's what Jesus called for, you know, love. You know, I, I love the, the neighbor um, as, you know, the same way I love myself. So, of course, I share the gospel, but at the same time, I'm not going to go, um, you know, force it on somebody else because it's not me who's going to save that person. It's going to be God. It's going to be Jesus. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. try to force it on somebody else, you know. I'm, so I will. I would pray, and while I'm praying, you know, I, and you know, I, before that prayer, I would have already prayed, you know, that they take in, you know, Jesus into their heart, or they get at least curious about the, my faith, so that in their own time, you know, they could they could pray, and I would encourage them to do so, but I wouldn't force it. I wouldn't force it on, on anybody, you know. So I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, okay. I, I, don't, I wouldn't expect that as a thing. All right. I appreciate your call, Sal. Thanks for calling. You can call us at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I think in the, in the legal case, what's being discussed here, and, and, you know, Sal says something interesting there, too, is that for Christians, we want other people to be saved because we believe they're going to hell, right? So the, the challenge for Christians is that if that's true, then we have... Uh, an obligation, a moral obligation to let people know about our faith, right? That it is decidedly unloving to hold it to ourselves. Yet, we live in a society that says you can have whatever faith you want and that the government is not going to determine for you what's true or false related to religion. And the constitutional tension is within the idea that the government should not establish a religion, uh, but also the government should not interfere with your ability to practice. Where do you draw that line? That's one of the things that the court is dealing with. Justice Gorsuch, Gorsuch who wrote the uh, uh, the majority opinion, it was six to three along ideological lines, which disappoints me a little bit because I feel like um, there's just these cases used to be nine nothing, eight to one, seven to two, now they're six to three, and um, – there's definitely some things we have to deal with here. I think there's a line, right? At some point, if you're the coach or you're a teacher, you know, if you're standing up in the cafeteria and you're making everybody stop eating and you're going to say a prayer for the meal, uh, do you have a right to do that in a public school? Is that something you should do even as a Christian? You know, a challenge for you maybe as believers is Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6 to keep our prayers quiet, you know, or private in our prayer closet. Does that apply here? Does that apply to public prayers. It's a, there's public prayers all the time. You know, I get asked to go do public prayers at uh, the county meetings and to open up governmental meetings. I just find that to be it's just so curious to me when the government seems to be so against prayer in schools, but we still open up prayer in the Congress and in the State House and in, uh, I think we still do it in the State House, maybe we stop, um, but we do it in uh, many counties and city governments. You know, the United States Congress, they have chaplains that they pay most of the time who are you know, Christian, at least from a uh, standpoint of how they check a box, they're not always, you know, following Jesus, I think. But there's there's a sense of a religious need for people who serve in Congress or people who serve in government. An interesting thing for football programs is there seems to be a religious need for a lot of people in sports. That's why we have prayers sometimes before uh, games, there's prayer before a NASCAR event a lot of the time. Um, and of course, you're looking at Maybe somebody's going to die out there. I mean, that's the nature of that sport. And whenever we bring that up, then we got to deal with eternity, don't we? 888-528-2557 is the number. Um, 
Lamech from Los Angeles. Do I have your name right? Is it uh, Lamech? Yes, Lamech. Lamech. All right. Welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. Yes, I want to be shortly. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, demanding uh, or uh, judging uh, clearly people praying publicly. So uh, I think Jesus Christ calling, uh, demanding uh, and judging uh, these people because he, he knows uh, some of these people are hypocrites. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all I can say, and I have to follow the instructions of Jesus. That's why is uh, my opinion, and according to the Word of God, is not right to pray him publicly. So you would but say that? Uh, saying, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not good to be Christian. Yeah, uh, right. It's good to be Christian. It's good to be Christian to be to not be hypocrite and to not play with the Word of God. And many people are playing with the Word of God in this time, no matter yeah. what religion. Okay? So that's all I can say. Um, we have to obey the Word of God, not, not because Jesus Christ is our higher, highest preacher. And he, mm -hmm. He's the only, the, only, the, only, uh, the only person who can bring us to, to God to obey the rules, to obey uh, the amendment, to obey everything, uh, not the man. That's the big problem we have in this planet. So now uh, <clears throat> the, the court, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court uh, voting against the abortion. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that because uh, it's important to, to not killing babies. But what about the Supreme Court to stop and closing all the stores of selling weapons? Because some Christians, they have weapons hiding in their homes mm -hmm. to, the, to, keep, to defend themselves for, for bad guys, they say, um, you know. Christian not supposed to have weapons. All right. All right, Lamech, thank you for your call and for your uh, uh, insight on these things. I'll just say a couple of things. I'll read the passage that uh, I think is interesting related to this. Um, you know, the Bible isn't really say whether Christians should have weapons or not. Uh, it doesn't say you shouldn't, it, but it does definitely promote a life of nonviolence. Okay, and that's uh, another discussion, but uh, I want to make sure that we understand that. And uh, we're saved because Jesus died for our sins. And that's something else I, I want to make sure, Lamech, that I uh, wasn't quite following you if you thought that maybe Jesus was just the example for us. He's a great example for us. We've got to follow him. But we're not saved because we do good things, ultimately. We do good things because we are saved. We are to follow Jesus and do good and obey Jesus because we believe he's the Savior. He's our Lord. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then in verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray, and then it's the Lord's Prayer, which maybe you have uh, memorized. So this passage is one that's being thrown out uh, by people who are opposed to this Supreme Court decision, saying, well, the coach maybe, you know, shouldn't be praying in public anyway. Does this passage apply? Is, you know, certainly Jesus is calling out hypocrites here. He's calling out people who um, are saying, are going out to be, to be seen, like they're being, they're praying and I think the thing is here is they're praying 
to be seen, to be seen as somebody who is better than other people, right? Uh, Jesus says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others, meaning that I don't think that their heart as a hypocrite is to lead followers of Jesus into prayer or to lead people to the throne of grace. Their heart is to say, look how spiritual I am. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We're responding to the Supreme Court decision today in support of a football coach and who was fired for saying prayers after uh, football games on the 50-yard line. I'll get into some of those details here in just a minute, but I want to get to your calls. Jackie from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. I just have a very quick comment about yeah. this um, that we're talking about. I personally believe that we need prayer. Mm. We, we, in this world that we're living in right now, we need more prayer. We need that. So if a coach is praying with us after the game and he says, let's pray, each child has a decision of parents. They can walk away or they can get involved. And I think prayer right now, we need this more than ever with everything that's going on. I mean, I I just feel like we need more prayer because if we can celebrate Pride Month, we could celebrate the Lord. Mm. And I think we need more prayer everywhere. I mean, just everywhere. I'm not saying, you know, go on the street and yell. And I agree with I, I agree with what you were reading. I was thinking about that too. I was like, wow, maybe maybe I'm wrong. But I think that pertains it's just my opinion. I don't know if I'm right. I think that pertains to, like, okay, I don't want to put down the Catholic faith, but, like, when they have this big procession and, and they're just saying the same prayer over and over and over, and they make a big elaborate deal out of that. But I think it's different when, when I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I think yeah, it's not- different. With, yeah, that's, that's basically what I, I just want to say. We need more prayer. That's sure, I think— comment. All right, Jackie, I, I, I follow you there. And, uh, you know, I think that there is something here for us to think about is big public displays of prayer or religiosity. Uh, she mentioned the Catholic Church. Protestants do this sometimes too, right? There's, there's big um, open, uh, sometimes big prayer meetings that are about prayer. And, uh, you know, I think she's right that we need more prayer. I think at the heart of a lot of this is that People are starved for prayer, actually. So one of the parts of this case is the coach would say a little prayer after the game, just kind of himself. Well, what was happening is some of the students, probably at first the Christian students would join him, and it kind of became a thing, right? And they said uh, they were, at one point he was inviting them, and then they told him, don't uh, invite people. If you want to pray, that's all right, but you can't invite people. But people kept coming, and then what was happening is that he would go out after the game sort of his own ritual, and pray at the 50-yard line. So the game's over. People are going home. People are in their cars. People are streaming out. But there's milling about. If you've been to a high school game, you know, you hang out for a while. High school games are awesome. There's so much fun to go to. And um, you're hanging out with your friends, and after the game, you know, the coach would go out and pray. Well, what was happening is that people would join him, and there was at one point where something went out in social media inviting. The coach didn't send it out. Other people sent it out and said, hey, our coach prays after the game. How about we all join him on the 50-yard line? And uh, so people did that, and uh, everyone lost their mind about that. 
Um, 888-528-2557 is the number. So the Supreme Court today decided in favor that he should not have lost his job uh, because of this prayer. I think that the interesting thing, though, is that the students kept joining him. There's a lot of nuance in this case, and we'll get to some of that as we, we continue. I think it matters, too, for Christians today because we have to think about what we are doing on the public, in the public sphere, you know, where, where is it? Is there a line, like when I go to, out to eat with my family and we go somewhere and we'll sit down there and I'll say a little prayer. It might be loud in the restaurant, you know, and I try to time it so that the waitress isn't standing right there. Um, although waiters and waitresses, they're, they understand that people are going to um, pray and they'll wait, you know. We'll say a little prayer. I try to make sure that everybody at the table can hear it. Um, should I, as a Christian or even as a a pastor, stand up in the restaurant and make my family or everybody at the table hold hands and stand up and pray and make a scene out of it? Um, is that helpful or is that not helpful? I talk about doing that because, as the you know, as the pastor, they always make me pray. If I go to church, you know, to eat with a whole bunch of people, they'll always say, "Well, you're the pastor. Why don't you pray?" And it bugs me because I want all of us to know that we can pray. I want everybody to know that you don't have to pray. You know, pastor doesn't have better prayers than you do. It's about your heart before Jesus. You should be able to pray. And I used to joke that I would just stand up and pray really loud in the restaurant, make everybody hold hands, and then they stop asking me to pray. And uh, then they can uh, pray other people. What do you think about this? Um, what is the line in the public sphere? What should a Christian do? What is the right thing to do scripturally? Does Jesus' words about praying in our prayer closet and not standing up to be seen like the hypocrites do in Matthew chapter 6, uh, does that apply to uh, coaches or teachers um, and other things? What do you think? 888-528-2557. You can join the conversation. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, 888-528-2557. We're going to take a break, and I'll be back for your calls. You can call right now. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you on this Monday. Great to be with you today. Supreme Court decided earlier today in favor of a football coach from Bremerton, Washington, that he should not have been fired for saying prayers at the 50-yard line. The argument against him was that the prayers are coercing students to uh, join his religion, his Christian religion, uh, basically. And the Supreme Court, a Gorsuch opinion, uh, six to three opinion uh, upon uh, ideological lines, six to three, basically said that the school district never proved that he was coercing anybody to join his religion. And the school district would argue that, well, if you're the coach and you're praying, then uh, maybe players might feel like you're not going to put them in the game if you don't show up to the prayer meeting. And maybe uh, players will feel like, gosh, you know, the coach, you know, even subconsciously may not like me very much or may not let me play as much because I don't go pray, so I'm going to go participate in that. That would be the argument uh, that they said. But Gorsuch says none of that was proven. In fact, uh, there were some conversations about that where the coach said, to some kids who brought it up, who started to create the issue, he says, no, don't worry about it. And he made sure that they continued to start and play like they wanted to. Um, 
The number is 888-528-2557. Wanted to get your thoughts about this. Uh, Nikki, who is driving through SoCal, that's what they say is your location. Uh, where are you at? Uh, do you know where you are as you drive through SoCal, Nikki? Uh, I'm, I'm on my way to San Bernardino. <laughs> oh, okay, so that means you're not driving very fast yeah. at about 3.30. No, I'm not very fast right now. <laughs> All right. Well, much better for uh, for giving us a call. So uh, what are your thoughts about this? Well, my thoughts are that you can definitely cross the line in praying in public, and you can definitely cross the line if you are uh, praying as an authority over anybody. Um, we are known as Christians by how we live and act out our lives. Um, prayer how- doesn't make us a Christian. Mm. So I think that you can cross that line if you're in an authority-type position. And um, he could have chosen to pray in the locker room or anywhere else. Yeah, I don't think he should have lost his job, though. But yeah. um, I do think you can cross the line. There is legal issues, and then there are issues as a believer to say, you know what, maybe maybe I'm allowed to do this, but maybe I shouldn't. Right, or maybe there's a better place right. for me to exactly. to do this, and I think sure. that's something. I mean, if I went yeah. to work with somebody who was a Muslim or another religion, or uh, I don't know what you what, and they would want me to participate in that before work in the morning, and it's not something that I want to participate in, I would feel like I could be affected by job um, promotions or whatever. Sure. Yeah, you would feel you coerced. Could. Yeah. All right, Nikki, I hope you have a safe drive out to San Bernardino. Uh, thank you for calling. 888-528-2557 is the number. Eric in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, thanks. Thank you for taking my call. And, and again, thanks so much for bringing up topics from a really fresh perspective, spiritually, oh, thank you. in the times that we are living today. Um, in regards to this topic, um, I think, you know, at least my, from my point of view, I think that uh, we cannot isolate just the topic of prayer and to determine whether we should do it on a public setting or not. Um, the reason for that is, and, and you know, a couple of examples that come to mind, uh, is uh, prayer is considered to be talking to God, having a conversation to God, either by praising Him, thanking Him uh, for what He's done, or asking Him to do something. So in a way, it's, it's, it's a living style, right? So if I have a living style that I pray at home with my family, that I pray at church, you know, with the congregation, and that I pray by myself as I drive myself to work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a living style. So if I'm able, if, I mean, if the legal system is able to diminish that right that I have, I think I'm... I'm I run the risk of becoming lukewarm and caring more about what people might think uh, mm. as opposed to boldly uh, adhering to my faith. And the examples that come from even from uh, the Bible, we have Joseph who had a role, right, to really um, serve God and also serve in, 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 in a country where his religion was not welcome, which was Egypt, yet God used him for that. Then you have uh, Daniel in the book of Daniel. Daniel prayed to God three times a day, and by law, that, you know, was enacted, that you know, nobody's to be prayed to another God no more. He continued to pray. Then in the, in the New Testament, we have Jesus doing publicly. We have uh, uh, even uh, the, the apostles, because how else then were the apostles healing the people and preaching the gospel if it wasn't through prayer, through the leadership that the Holy Spirit provided into them? So bottom line, in my perspective, it is that we are to do it. Obviously, we need to have that discernment. 
and uh, the guidance from the Holy Spirit to make sure that, that we are doing it out of love and not just to show off, as, as some of the uh, people have shared as well. But my perspective is we cannot just isolate prayer by itself, but we need to look at everything, every uh, thing that is going on in today's environment from the spiritual point of view and what the Bible says, and let's stick mm. to it. Let's not become lukewarm, but rather let's share the gospel. All right, Eric, thank you. Yeah, thank you for calling us today and sharing your thoughts. You know, I think, you know, what he said is it it does get down to whether or not there's a line to it. So when Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I think right there, that is, you know, is the reason you're doing this. So if you're a football coach, not this football coach necessarily, but any football coach or sporting coach or teacher or or politician or pastor, you know, whoever you are, is the purpose for your public prayer to be seen by others and for what? Are you bringing God the glory or are you bringing yourself glory? And Jesus is really speaking to that. He calls them hypocrites. Actors is what that is. Hypocrite is, you know, that the word actually comes from, it means speaking from under a mask. In old Greek plays, right, you had the happy face mask and the sad face mask, and you'd wear a mask to display your emotion if you were happy or angry or sad or, you know, you would have a different mask to display that. Apparently people were terrible actors back then and they couldn't do it with their face. You, you have some favorite actors. You know, some, The best actors are people who don't need to say words. They can just do it with their face, you know, to express uh, anger or frustration. Uh, Gene Hackman, great actor, Gene Hackman, right? Everybody <laughs> jokes about him. He's a great actor. And one of the things he used to do is tell the director, you know what? I don't want to say that line. I can say it with my face meaning he could he could express confusion, he could express sadness or joy or whatever. Uh, some people are good at that. But back in the day, you would do it with a mask, and hypocrite means to speak from under the mask, meaning that the mask you're wearing is not a depiction of what actually is in your heart, right? That's what a hypocrite is, that you're doing something or saying something for a purpose that is different than what you're saying it is for. And so Jesus really is definitely speaking to that, and that's something that we should... Uh, as we pray, as we think about opportunities to pray in public. Now, that being said, do I think a coach ought to pray with his team? You know, there is a history with football, going back to the beginning of the sport, that integrates prayer. You And you pray for safety, and you pray that people don't get hurt. You pray for sportsmanship. You pray for the other team. Those things are pretty common, actually, in a sort of generic prayers. You know, I, I would wonder if the prayer... You know, how specific is the prayers that he's saying? Is it saying, you know, God, we want to glorify thee and give us good sportsmanship, you know, just sort of generic? I'd be real curious to what really is being said there. But I think it's also relevant that students wanted to join in. The Supremes uh, who dissented are saying that they felt that maybe the students were coerced to join in. I don't think so. I think that in most of these cases, the students want to be a part of it. It's part of sports. If you've been on a team, there's a piece of that. Even in the secular high school, non-Christian sports, there's a there's a sense of prayer that happens. It happens in the locker room. It happens uh, out on the field or after the game. It happens when somebody's injured on the field and people take a knee and some people are praying. It's kind of part of that. So where do we draw the line in civil society, in a society that has um, where the government should not be establishing a religion, but at the same time, people who are religious should not be prevented from expressing their faith. What do you think about this? 888-528-2557. Michelle in Glendora, welcome to Southern California Live. 
Hi, Pastor Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I'm calling because my son's coach is, um, uh, he's polar opposite, you know, bad words, foul mouth, Uh and and I think kids follow their example. Yeah. You know, I'm catching my son who goes to, you know, Awanas and youth group and come home with a slip of the tongue saying, you know, dang it, and I go, those words don't fly here. So uh, I think that, you know, coaches saying, you know, the F word at kids, and we're not, you know, little girls here. We're, you know, with, I'd rather have his coach going to the 50-yard line to say a prayer. He's not coercing anyone to follow. He's just going out there doing his thing, and the Lord says, if you stand for me, I will stand for you. If you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. I believe that the coach in this aspect was not um, doing it for his own glory, but for the glory of God and his, for the glory of his faith, and kids followed. Um, and I would rather see my son following a coach that stands for God than for a foul, you know, foul mm-hmm. mouth and being in the world and just putting kids—he's not, not putting kids down, however, but directing kids with a mouth that is of the world and— not by faith. Yeah, and, I think um, so. I believe that that they should be have some sense of um, uh, control of their tongues while they're coaching youth, high school youth football. Yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, what you're saying. I think what you're saying is right, and it's great to make the the uh, to bring up the fact that what about coaches who are on the opposite, who are cursing all the time, who are yelling at the kids, who have a bad example towards women, for example, on a, on a uh, male football team. You know, I've had coaches that uh, say things that, um, you know, are definitely not Christian uh, at all and definitely not good for society. Far worse, as you're saying. Good call, Michelle. I appreciate that very much, that insight here. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. If you'd like to join the conversation in the dissent, Justice Sotomayor, she said this that was, you know, kind of along these lines. She said, students look up to their teachers and coaches as role models and seek their approval. She wrote, she said, students also depend on this approval for tangible benefits. Players recognize that gaining the coach's approval may pay dividends, small and large, from extra playing time to a stronger letter of recommendation to an additional, you know, she kind of goes on that. I think it's interesting that she would write this, though, that we look to our coaches as role models and seek their approval. She's right. We do look to our coaches, and kids look to their coaches as role models to seek their approval, and that goes right to our last caller's point, doesn't it? That what do you really want to see from these coaches? Whether they're high school and there's a, the issue of them working for the government in a public school, government school, um, or your little league coach, or your Pop Warner coach, or your travel ball coach, or your soccer coach, you know, with AYSO or whichever group you might be a part of, coaches, they're leaders and they have to, um, they're going to be put up on a pedestal by the kids. I think we've lost some of this. I think tangled up in this whole argument is actually part of our problem as a society that we no longer see leaders as people who should be giving values, not just teaching you the game of football or whatever sport, but teaching you values as human beings. And if it's a, a boy's team teaching the values of being a man, what does that mean? See, that's, that's why prayer is such a big part of football, by the way, in its history. 
there have been case after case after case for decades now of prayers on the football field more than anywhere else. Okay, there's prayers in other sports, obviously, but but football, for some reason, this has been such a big part of it where people find community, people find development, and coaches, football coaches in particular, since the beginning of time, since the beginning of time, not since Adam and Eve were tossing around, you know, the uh, bananas in the in the Garden of Eden or whatever sport they were playing. I mean, the the beginning of football. Um, prayer has been a part of this sport. It's an interesting thing. I'll talk about that more when we get back. I want to take a break, and I want to take your calls. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Farrow with you. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. And we are talking about prayer in uh, in the public sphere, prayer in uh, ch- kids' sports, prayer in the public school. Supreme Court today decided in favor of a high school football coach who was fired for saying prayers in the 50-yard line after his football games. And uh, we've had a good discussion in one of the things I was saying before the break that's really fascinating if you want to read it is the role of prayer, particularly with football in the United States, that when these cases have come to the court and several have, and the argument has just changed over the last 20 years, uh, where the arguments at first were about moving, you know, the, the separation of church and state and the, the establishment of religion in, in schools. And so people can't pray in schools, but it has changed into, has that gone so far that now people who are religious in schools can no longer express their faith in a normal way? And so one of the interesting features of this is, is it normal for especially football coaches to have prayer? And the history of football is yes, right? Um, and of course, most of that has been Christian, so it would be interesting if it was another faith, what people might think about that. Um, there was a coach who was one of the first coaches um, in uh, in a full-time status at a university. His name was Amos Alonzo Stagg. And from 1892 to 1932, he built a college football powerhouse at the University of Chicago. And prayer was a part of the program. There's a whole article about this guy in uh, Christianity Today last April. And what's interesting is that the coach was not just coming up with a game plan. He believed that coaching these kids was about shaping character, instilling morals, inspiring leaders. These are things we say as coach. I'm a baseball coach, and this matters to me a lot with these kids. Leadership, um, how they treat one another, character. That's, you know, I want my kids in sports. I'm glad they play sports. I don't have, you know, it'd be awesome, I suppose, if they went pro, but that's not even on my mind. My mind is I want them in sports because it develops them so well, my boys. But it only develops them so well. It develops them well even if they've had bad coaches. We've had some really good coaches and some really bad coaches. Some of the times that I've been a coach, it's because there's been really bad coaches and I'm like volunteering to help. Even when there's bad coaches, I'm able to bring my kids home and go, hey, what do you think about the way the coach was yelling at those players today and the words he used? You know, We can have a, a character-building conversation if you're involved. The history, though, of the, of the football is that 
this is part of it. It's such an interesting thing. Stagg said that prayer is a good thing for any man who wants to live his life to the fullest, and I'm sure it helps in the process of making men. This was the attitude that we had 100 years ago, okay, with sports, and it's still integral to our sports. That's why this is there. And it's so interesting when you think about cases like this that are in the courts that the courts are considering, has it always been there? Has it always been a part of things? Um, Can you still do it? And so that's a big part of this. And the court, the court did not come out and say you can pray anywhere you want in schools. They didn't say that you can start school with a prayer. They didn't bring prayer back to schools. They didn't say that teachers can pray in the classroom with their students. There's all kinds of things that they did not say. What they said was, if there is a moment where maybe you're on the clock as a worker in a school, you work for the government, you work for a public school, where you can say a prayer, it's okay to do that. And if people join you, it's okay for them to voluntarily join you. They didn't say it's okay to coerce others to join you or to make them feel like I may not get a starting role if I don't participate in in prayer. So that's the argument against. And I don't think it's an unreasonable argument, right? It could be used for that. Um, But what the court is saying ultimately is that, hey, in this society, um, we can't just be against any religious expression. That's not what the Supreme Court said. What Gorsuch said, who was writing for the majority, he said that respect for religious expressions is, re- expressions is indispensable to life in a free and diverse republic, whether those expressions take place in a sanctuary or on a field, and whether they manifest through spoken word or a bowed head, he wrote. Here, a government entity sought to punish an individual for engaging in a brief, quiet, personal religious observance. And that's what he said. Now, the, the dissent is saying, no, it was very public and it wasn't personal or private. People were invited to that, which is partially true. Uh, it wasn't necessarily coach's desire, but other people desired that and turned it into something. But then he said this, I thought that was really, really good. He said that a rule that the only acceptable government role models for students are those who eschew any visible religious expression would undermine a long constitutional tradition in which learning how to tolerate diverse expressive activities has always been part of learning how to live in a pluralistic society. So the argument basically is, look, you can't restrict people from practicing their faith even in public jobs because we're a pluralistic society. People should have the freedom to practice their faith you know, to at least certain degrees, right? There's a there's a place for it. 888-528-2557. Maybe a minute for a couple more phone calls. Greg in Santa Clarita, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, um, Greg. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Hi. Uh, I, I, I think you're covering this very well, and so I hope this is something that's a fresh angle a little bit. But my question is one of identity, in a legal sense, and how the laws are equally applied to identity. How do you define identity? If you mm-hmm. have like a gay person who had a ritual or a Muslim who had a ritual, how would the law apply if part of their religious identity was to wear certain clothing or to act a certain way or whether or not it was offensive? I don't see people getting the law, the courts getting worried at certain, you know, Pride activities come across as offensive. I don't see that factoring in on those situations. It seems to be a one-way application of the law when it comes to the Judeo-Christian faith. Mm. And and so you know, and also one other point is that how what is the the genetic argument that if they're going to say that you know homosexuality 
you're born that way, it's a genetically natural thing, then what then if they then what is the argument, the science that being a Christian you're not born that way. You're not genetically predisposed to be a Muslim or anything else. You know, these are questions that they don't really hash out in the courts. Yeah. That's my kind of position there, my question. Yeah, Greg, I think that's a good call and a good point. Um, you know, what if this was a Muslim coach, we mentioned this at the top of the hour, and rolled out his carpet? Would the decision be made the same? Like, is there, from one point of view, um, more acceptance for Christian prayer than for some other prayer? We're just talking about, you know, from the standpoint of the courts, secular religion. Um, and how would, you know, I would ask our audience, you know, how would you feel about that if you're thinking about this forum from the standpoint of fairness and uh, the where that line is of of illegally pushing your faith on somebody, you might feel uncomfortable if it's somebody of another faith, but, you know, there's a point when you would you would feel like uh, this isn't right. I, I wonder if we would think the same if it was a Muslim coach or a coach of another faith. I think that's part of it. It's interesting to, to also get into, I do think on the other side of it, there is a particular persecution against people of a Judeo-Christian ethic here. Maybe persecution is the wrong word. I don't want to compare this at all with people, you know, football coaches being murdered because of their prayers. So I, I don't like to use that word in this case, but there is a bias is a better word. In her dissent, Justice Sotomayor said, today's decision is particularly misguided because it elevates the religious rights of a school official who voluntarily accepted public employment, employment and the limits that public employment entails over his students who are required to attend school. In doing so, the court sets us further down a perilous path in forcing states to entangle themselves with religion with all of our rights hanging in the balance. What bothers me kind of about this is like, but by all means, let's let them have the right, let kids have the right to decide their own health care at 12 years old and not tell their parents about surgeries or, or other medical procedures. Let's pummel them with a sexual ethic that contradicts science and health and almost every religion uh, and is in fact dangerous. There is a very odd thing that we, and I do think this is spiritual. I don't think it's odd really at all. I think it's spiritual. I think it's because Christianity is ultimately true. I think that we have trouble here because we have an expression of Christian faith that is is Christian, that is something that is about praying to the living God. I think there is something offensive to the evil one about prayer. All right, this is a great topic, and I'm sure it will come up again. We've got to close out this section of our show today. Uh, thanks for all the calls. I'll leave you with this thought, too. Just be aware that when that Jesus does call us to pray, and in, in Matthew chapter 6, he does uh, chastise those who pray hypocritically, especially those to be seen in public. There are other ways to do it, but we need to be in prayer. I don't have a problem with this coach praying after the game and the way he did it. I think it became real publicized and it became a prayer meeting. People are doing it on social media. Maybe that is, you know, not the coach's intention there. But we should be able to pray and pray for the people that God has placed in our life. And we need wisdom. And so ask wisdom. If you find yourself as a government employee, ask God for wisdom. So much more to say there, but we got to take a break. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.